Yo, what's up, y'all? This is St. Joe, soundsandgear.com, back with another episode of Learn Your Gear. And I got part of the crew here with me today. I got Dilly and Sean, so uh, quick intro. Uh, Dilly, go ahead, and then we'll let Sean introduce himself real quick for anybody that's new here. Yes, sir. I'm Dilly O, sound designer, music artist, producer, pop boxer, and now author working on a new ebook and throwing it down. That's how we do it. That's what's up. That's what's yeah. up. Sean, a quick intro from you as well, bro. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Sean Devine, producer, mix engineer, sound designer. Happy to be with you all once again this week. Yeah, man. So that's what's up. As y'all can see, uh, we have, you know, a, a smaller crew today, but that's OK. You know, we know the crew is always here with us and supporting us. Um, but today's topic is specifically and, and you understand why we have these guys on here specifically is we want to talk about uh, music creation and how it relates to uh, licensing. And, and music licensing. I know um, you guys are well versed in that. We also had Ella, but he wasn't able to join us today. But you know, I'll probably do an interview with him or something just to get his perspective because um, I know he does this as well. Uh, but uh, and I know Dilly. I know you recently got into some video game design. So not even just uh, music licensing, but you got into some licensing for actual um, video games. So why don't you why don't you kind of um, talk about that? And and, and kind of how maybe how that came about and some things that you're noticing in terms of what works for licensing in that RAM. Right. Uh, pretty much uh, it was a guy who came up with this uh, a game called Save the Bears. It was a kid's game. And actually, he's a guy from France and actually contacted me uh, via email and saw some things I was doing on YouTube. And so this is an independent guy. And that's, and that's a, a lot of things that I think licensing can kind of be seen as because since he's not a big company like Activision or yeah. or somebody like that or Microsoft, he's an independent guy who actually has a budget to to hire me to do sound design, stuff like that. So he actually emailed me up and we agreed, made an arrangement and I started doing some work for him. Yeah. And th- that's how that's how that project birthed. And and you know, I said, Hey, I'll do some sound effects too and I wanted to get creative with it. So yeah. I went to the mold. Yeah, and and shapes and sounds off there instead of just going to the plugin or going to my sound library. Let me see what I can come up with that's fun and eye catching for kids because yeah. that's the kids' video game, you know. Right. And the same thing with the music soundtrack too. Yeah. Uh, just finding really funky songs because and I, I see I grew up listening to video game music. That's one of my heaviest influences. Yeah. Is video game music. Yeah. So when I got that opportunity, I was like, oh shoot, I get to finally be the guy on the other side of the coin. Yeah. And create the music that other that may touch kids. The way that certain video game music touched me. Right. So while it may not be a major on the major side, it's more of an independent licensing agreement, and uh, it's something I'm definitely really excited about and ready to get get knocked out out of the way. No, yeah, I, I, I definitely, man. I I don't think I don't think it matters. I think that's dope, man. I don't care where it's at. Like you know, yeah. to be able to do right. something <laughs> like that, man, is just uh, is really awesome. Now, so when you're creating music for a game do you find it to be any different than when you create music say for yourself for song or for artists or things like that because you talked about creating the soundtrack and creating the sound effects so how do those two things go together when you're when you're coming up with ideas um and are you doing it along with the game like are you watching footage from the game as you're making it or are you just randomly coming up with ideas right 
the, the primary thing is that I am uh, the, the 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 game designer did present me with graphics of all the stages. Yeah. And uh, and actually some video footage of that. And so I'm looking at the graphics and I'm saying, okay, this is in the forest. So I'm like, hmm, what can I do to make this song sound more mythical? Mm. Oh, this guy is in front of a this stage in front of a volcano. How can I make it sound more edgy? Mm. You know, things yeah. like that. And the interesting thing about doing video games for music is that you don't have to produce full-length songs, but you may have to produce songs that are going to loop seamlessly. Gotcha. And then also, if the if the program is advanced enough, program a boss theme that will come in on beat to yeah. the original loop that you got going on. Gotcha. And then on top of that, do a a, a vamp or a change that that signifies that style of music for that song. When the character may die or grab a power up, mm. you know, uh, one of my and I, I got to highlight an influence that touched me, man. The soundtrack of, of Tekken, we know Tekken Seven just dropped out, <laughs> drop Tekken Four just dropped. I know I'm kind of going on a tangent it's here. It's all good. It's all but, good. But here's the thing that touched me, man. When you was fighting this character, and the power line was getting thin, the music changed. Yeah. And it stayed in that loop until you knocked that person out. Boom, and you hear this vamp in this song come in that's in the same style of the original song, but it's a vamp. Yeah. And I'm like, that is dope. That is dope. <laughs> and so, you know, they're doing that in second seven now. I didn't hear them doing it a while, and I'm hearing that same changes where the, the, the power lines are this thin, yeah. and then the music is like getting quiet, like getting ready for that knockout sound. When you knock out, boom, ah, you know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. So, while the game I'm doing isn't on that level, but just having those changes in there and, and be able to create context in the music versus doing a verse and a loop and a hook and a, and a chorus That's dope. is really fun. So there's it's a little different style. Yeah. Now, uh, so do you do you keep those types of changes in mind when you're first starting to create the initial idea? Are you already thinking like, I know I'm going to have to have some different things um, going here, right. some different changes. So, um do you try to keep it a little bit more simple when you're creating a loop and then you have extra elements to come in as you know, you're going to need to do some change ups and things like that. And there, is there anything that you may think of like, well, I know I can always use this, you know, this type of thing, maybe speed this up or use this type of sound when somebody's getting ready to die or when, when something's getting ready to be right. a little bit more edgy. Um, how do you find yourself fitting that in with the main loop? Like, do you think about all the elements right. at once or do you just kind of keep it open? Like, I know I'm going to have to add something, but let me get the right. idea down first. I think I think what I do is I mainly focus on the body, the basic idea first, yeah. and, and work on that main body. And then I'll start to develop limbs that go out from that body mm. for the different tangents of action that can go on. But I always, mm. I think it's easy for me. I do think about, yeah, I do got to do all these parts, but always start with the basic body. Gotcha. Because from there, I can easily come up with ideas to go forth and go in different. If I came up with the, the dying theme or the boss theme first, yeah, it's a little harder for me to figure out how did how did the story start at the beginning of the stage, you know, stuff like that. So always start the basic idea for of the body first, then develop limbs and and tangents that way and go from there. Yeah, no, that's dope. That's dope, man. Now, Sean, uh, I don't know if you've done video game stuff. But I know you've done a lot of licensing music wise so what is mm -hmm. what is and you know you also do music for artists and different things like that so what is how does your approach differ if it does differ when you're creating music that you know is being created for licensing versus music that may be created for an artist or yourself or something like that 
Well, I think naturally it comes down to the song. Mm-hmm. So when you're creating things to be licensed by artists, you know, or songwriters, obviously you've got to be approaching the production from that standpoint. You know, we hear this conversation about beat makers versus producers, mm-hmm. and it's a real thing. I mean, you have to learn the art of creating instrumentals and beats for the purpose of a song being written. Mm -hmm. And so you have to learn about arrangement and you have to really consciously be thinking about this stuff while you're putting it together. So when I'm creating a beat or, you know, maybe I'm working with another producer for something to be licensed on our websites, Mm -hmm. we're kind of writing songs to this. It it may not be fully fleshed out lyrics or whatever, but we're trying to do that as we're producing so that, you know, this is going to be approachable by an actual artist, by an actual songwriter. Mm. So versus, you know, with like Dilly uh, doing video game stuff, I mean, you're trying to cater to the the feeling and the emotion of the visuals. You know, it's just a different yeah. thing, right? So yeah. Yeah. I would imagine that would be super fun. I've never done video game stuff, but I just think it would be very um, creative in the sense that you can just kind of go wherever you feel like would fit that visually. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's less arrangement focused, right? Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah so Interesting. Now, um, when it comes to your licensing, are you mainly doing licensing for artists or are you doing licensing music for like TV, media, you know, TV shows and different things like that as well? It's it's a little bit of both, but I would say we're more focused on uh, artists, okay. uh, either indie artists or gotcha. artists, you know, on small labels. Mm-hmm. So we're doing most of that from DivineTracks.com. Yeah. Have just built up that over the years. You know, obviously I was doing my own thing on SoundClick and then we just transitioned it to this larger team of producers who are catering, catering to uh, artists and songwriters. Yeah. Um, but we do do TV and film licensing. It just depends on, you know, the situation. Mm-hmm. And also that world is very different in the sense that um, you've got to build relationships with music supervisors. That's yeah. really the most important uh, folks to kind of be brushing shoulders with in that world. Because once you establish relationships with them, they're the ones who are, you know, heading out even some of the video games, film, uh, TV shows. So, you know, once you can get in their office and kind of give them a pool of music or, yeah. you know, maybe something that you want to pitch them specifically for a project, uh, that's kind of your best option. So we definitely, uh, you know, keep those relationships intact as well. Dope. Now, do you find that the music that you generally create with artists and and songwriting in mind translates well to tv film that type of thing or is it is the structure a little bit different when when you're pitching music to that to like say a music supervisor for a television show or a commercial or something like that is the structure of the song that you put together or even the process is it is it any different than when you're structuring something with an artist in mind it could be. It just depends on the project. A lot of music licensing today, they'll just take the stems from, you know, a, a song, you know, they'll take the instrumental stems and maybe you'll do a TV version of it, but it's, it's really the, the song itself. Um, there could be a project where they come to you and say, hey, we need a cue specifically like this. I've done some uh, TV stuff, some advertising stuff in the past where the company said, hey, we want this style. Uh, think, you know, like vintage Detroit, 
you know, kind of jazzy. They'll tell you that kind of thing and direct you uh, that way. So it really just depends again on the project, who's working it and um, you know, what they're looking for specifically, but both of those happen. So dope. Now for both of you guys, um, what do you find to be important in terms of quality and sound when it comes to music that you see or music that is getting licensed? Like, um, is there any specific things that you try to pay attention to or that, you know, you know, constantly works for you in terms of just the quality, the overall quality or the overall um, sound or maybe even style wise? Anybody, either right. one of y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, quality and sound style. Um, a lot of the things that I know from understand from the film and television licensing world is that you got to really pay attention to the listing. What I mean by that is that uh, the supervisors look for the music. They may say, don't, don't make this track no longer than any longer mm. than two minutes. Uh, some may want a fade out ending. Some may want a, a button ending. Now explain for for somebody who may not know what you mean by a button. Is that almost like a kind of like a stinger, like a like yeah, a, like, like a, a climax, a solid end. yeah, like a climax type of thing? Interesting. One one second, I'll be back. Cool, cool. Yeah, so I'll I'll just take it. Yeah. Uh, so just building on what Dilly was saying, um, we we're talking. Oh gosh, hold me here, Joe. I'm sorry, he just rolled out his window. And I'm seeing him talking to this. Oh yeah, he's lady. at work. He's at work. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about the uh, just the overall quality or certain styles and things that you find yeah, yeah, work yeah. when it comes to gotcha so first of all i mean naturally i'm a mix engineer but i'm going right. to tell you that they listen to the quality of the mixing because most of the times they're getting these stems and they're not going to be doing any additional mixing in that way mm-hmm. they may you know, kind of take certain pieces of the music but the quality in that sense has to be there so it needs to be very presentable professional quality good mixes Um, and watching your levels. We talked about that a little bit in uh, one of the other Learn Your Gear shows about uh, being really careful about your uh, master levels for this type of thing. Yeah. So the actual presentation, um, the actual mix is definitely, it's not just about the creativity or the sound. The actual mix is a really important aspect when you're talking about licensing because, as you say, they're not going to mix it. They're not going to do. They want it to be as presentable and ready to go as possible, so they can just grab it and throw it in somewhere. Exactly, exactly. And with you know, film and TV, the visual aspects when you're using music in in this way, it's got to be felt. You know, it's got to be really impactful, and it's just got to. It has to pop. Yeah. You know, to be. Um, effective in that world. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, um, let's say somebody isn't a mix engineer. You know, a lot of times people will try to do things themselves in this, in this arena. Would you suggest that someone maybe teams up with a mix engineer to try to help them get their tracks to a certain, certain standard? Or would you say, Hey, just kind of listen to what you hear in the commercials and things like this or is there is there like a industry loudness standard that you try to achieve um and either either one of you guys can answer this in terms of like is there a certain loudness um level that they're going for in these types of um these types of jobs or whatever like hey 
if like Dilly said, even with the with the time thing, like if you don't pay attention to the listing, they say they want two minutes. You give them two minutes and 50 seconds. They might just throw you out. Is it the same thing for like even levels? Like if they're going through all these tracks and they're all at a certain level, a standard level and yours isn't maybe it's higher or lower. Is there like a is there like a level that that people should be aiming for if they're trying to get stuff licensed? Is there some type of industry, you know, I guess broadcast loudness you know what I'm saying? There's, thing, there's or... definitely standards in that way. But I think just in general, um, just kind of covering your question for those of, that are aspiring to be uh, licensing stuff in that way. If you've got a good connection with a music supervisor and you're going to be able to get your music directly to them or another opportunity that is very solid right in front of you, I would absolutely recommend, you know, getting some guidance at least from someone who specializes in mixing. Mm -hmm. That said, you can still be learning this stuff on your own. So, you know, we all have content on our YouTube channels. There's tons of stuff out here to begin learning that so that you're better prepared in the future to do it yourself. Right. Uh, But yeah, I I would say do both, you know, learn uh, how to do it on your own time and then definitely consult with somebody if you've got that kind of opportunity and you're not that comfortable with mixing because it could essentially uh, come down to you getting the opportunity or not. Right. It really can. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I totally agree with that. Uh, definitely understanding the differences, understanding the language of mixing, understand what a flat mix is, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, definitely, you know, make sure you have a good reference point to listen to it. You know, sometimes it may be to your benefit, to listen to it on, on not such a high quality TV speaker. Why? Because the televisions that people and that will hear this on, as far as in a television context, yeah. are not going to come from great speakers. Yeah. You know. So, so I think Sean Devine makes a great point of, about understanding both. If you don't have the experience and you're not comfortable with it, definitely get an engineer in your corner. But at the same time, study the craft. Yeah. Learn the language, and then learn to be confident in the mix not sounding too great. And the reason I say the mix not sounding too great is because I think someone new to mixing will want the bass or want certain things to stick out more than they should, mm. whereas a flat, proper mix may not sound great to them from that perspective, gotcha. but could be the right mix necessary for a film and television. So it, there are a lot of dynamics that play into that. But I think Sean Devine nails it on the head talking about uh, a mixture of both, learning how to do it yourself and also work with the engineer yeah. and at the same time, learning the language that the engineer understands because a lot of times a lot of clients who come to engineers don't know what to ask for Mm. and it's up to the engineer to try and shoot in the dark to hit the hammer on the head because the client didn't take time to learn the language yeah the engineer should be able to catch up but i think the best synergy takes place when the client or the producer knows what to communicate to the engineer gotcha. and the engineer knows what to communicate to the interesting mm. now um yeah. would would you guys say if someone is more interested in creating music for licensing purposes versus creating music for artists would it be even a little bit more important for them to get a proper understanding of mixing because a lot of times if you're submitting tracks to artists you know, it may get mixed later down the road. Whereas I hear you guys saying, if you're submitting for a licensing situation, a lot of times you may be the final frontier, so to speak. You may be the last. Um, so just hearing you guys talk, I'm kind of seeing that. Yeah, if you're if you're if you're kind of looking to go this way, you may want to pay even a little bit more attention to learning how to mix than someone who is just producing for artists, where it may end up in the hands of an engineer. 
is got I will say is gotten a little bit kind of gray because it, especially in the world that I'm dealing with in terms of licensing to artists and songwriters, mm-hmm. the music has to be competitive. Gotcha. And when they listen to your instrumental catalog or your songwriting, whatever, they're looking for it to sound uh, in competition with radio, with whatever else is in mm. their playlist. Mm. So I would say that it's still very important in that world, just in a different way. Like you said, you make a great point, Joe, that later on, you know, obviously with the multi-tracks, they can go into the studio and build things around their vocals, whatever. So it's not like it's, this is it, you know, mm-hmm. do what you can with it. But at the same time from a, I guess, more of a marketing aspect and kind of just um, inspiring the artist and the songwriter, you've got to be able to compete too. Gotcha. So that's, that's my, input, but dope, dope, dope. Um, and let's talk about divine tracks a little bit. How did you, how did you transition from putting your own music out to saying, Hey, I'm going to start a, a music licensing, music production company like what what went into that thought process i mean honestly i think it was just about being able to cater and inspire as many artists as possible and even stuff that i'm inspired by like i was hearing a lot of these producers who i was collaborating with yeah. anyway yeah. and i'm listening to their stuff and and it's just like i'm inspired by it so yeah. uh, i feel like if i kind of transitioned the uh the traffic and the audience that i was getting to my production to theirs i mean we're all winning so everybody's you know learning about new production and they're able to utilize the platform as well and we're collaborating and we've got this uh, thing that can do you know our splits for royalties and it's just it's about simplifying that entire process and then just again providing as much inspiring content yeah uh, for the artists out there and for the people who were already kind of following uh, what we were doing right now how do you how do you manage all of the people that want to be part of what you're doing like how do you how do you how are you able to kind of go through and keep your vision and know who you want to pick up and who you want to pass you know first i mean it's really as simple as you know, does it gel with what we're already doing musically? Is it on that level? Do I have a relationship with the producer? Do the other producers, you know, have they recommended somebody Mm. and, you know, does it feel right? You know, we're not just here to bring on a producer just because they might have the hottest tracks. We want somebody who's got the hottest tracks, but it's bringing something new to the table, something that maybe we're not uh, catering to already mm-hmm. on divine tracks and speaking to licensing in general for those who are really trying to get into it i really would recommend uh, having as diverse a catalog as possible and that was one of the main motivations for starting divine tracks and having eight producers versus just me because gotcha. i can only do so much i'm inspired by a ton of different music yeah. i'm sure you all are as well um, but naturally there's only, you know, so many different types of tracks and so many tracks in a week that I can yeah. put out here, keep mm-hmm. people inspired. So, uh, that was a big, big consideration. Definitely. Definitely. Um, and b- another thing that both of you kind of talked about that seems to be really important in this area is just the whole aspect of, of networking and personal relationships and all these types of things. Um, Dilly kind of mentioned, you know, 
being out there on YouTube and social media and things, that's kind of how his thing came around. Um, what are some tips that you have for guys that are trying to network or like Sean, you mentioned trying to get in touch with these, these, you know, music supervisors and things like that. Um, have you guys ever done any, any networking events? Do you just reach out to who you may think you want to work with? Um, all these different types, because there's a lot of different ways, you, you know, some people will say, just reach out to people on whatever social media thing there is. Some people say, go to live local events. I know Dilly does a lot of live in-person things as well. And that definitely builds your network. You know what I'm saying? You never know down the line. Oh yeah, I play with him here. You might want to check him out type of thing. So, um, just if you guys can kind of speak to that that level of things in terms of building those relationships and some tips for people that are trying to kind of build up those types of relationships, you know, what would you suggest to them? Well, I, I think I think one a great a great place to start is just to to get out there on the scene. Um, there are a lot of free events and network mixers where you can just go out and, and kind of if you if you never, I, I guess I like to speak from the position of you you're not doing it before for a new listener or someone new into it. I think you got to get used, first get used to being out there. Mm-hmm. I think it's very important. Hitting the networking events, licensing events. There's a lot of music licensing events in town, uh, you know, and definitely, uh, you know, YouTube, you know, showing what you can do on YouTube has been a very powerful, surprisingly powerful thing. Mm-hmm. And while it's not something that you can do and, and expect an immediate result, but you might be surprised of what you, who you can connect with by someone seeing uh, you do what you want people to know that you do, yeah. you know? So definitely going out to events, hitting the network, uh, you know, being open, follow up is very important. Mm-hmm. Follow up game is probably king. That's something I personally always am, am striving to improve because you can be at all these events and you can network. A lot of people say, yeah, we'll collab, we'll do the stuff. You never hear from them again. Yeah. And you have to take the bull by the horns and be the mover and shake it yourself mm-hmm. and follow up with people that may not initially follow up with you. Yeah. And you never know what possibly come out of it. So those, those are some base tips from my side. What about you, Shia? Yeah. Well, first, I mean, Dilly makes a great point in the follow-up process. That is so crucial. And a lot of times I feel like we, you know, our pride or our egos might get in the way, especially when you're starting out. You're like, oh, my stuff is crazy. Why is this person not getting back to me? A lot of times these are just busy people. These are people who are successful. So it's not that maybe they didn't like your stuff. It's just you need to get back in front of them say, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember you, and then they're going to hit you back. But until you do that, your chances of staying on their radar with all the stuff that they're getting hit with is very, very slim. So Mm. great point there. Definitely follow up multiple times if needed. Don't bother people, but just, you know, be cordial about it. Just follow up and say, hey, man, did you get this? Or, you know, whoever. Um, But uh, just in terms of networking in general, use every single resource you possibly can. And the things that you're not utilizing the most, try and really, uh, you know, hone in on those. When I lived in Los Angeles, that was that was one of the best resources about living out there was the networking. So I tried to make the most out of that while I was there. And thank God, I mean, I still have connections that I made out there that, you know, I'm, I'm working with them now. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you live in a city that has a market like that, Los Angeles, Atlanta, New York, you know, one of those bigger places, then utilize that, get out in the scene, like Billy said. And if you don't, if you live in, you know, a, a suburb or whatever, Use the internet. Use what we're doing. I mean, you know, this stuff is so powerful. You can still connect with people. But I will say that it's much more difficult to just fire off emails without people getting some FaceTime. So even if you're on 
you know, say, Hey, can we, can we just jump on Skype for five minutes? I just want to kind of pick your brain on something. Yeah. Just get really, you know, a little bit more personal mm. connection, That's good. texting or email. And, you know, you got to have that these days to separate yourself because everybody else is just, it's just text, you know? So that's good. That's good, man. That's real good. Um, yeah, that, that, I think that was huge because it still ties into the whole relationship side and, and, and really, really building these personal connections. Like you said, even if you're not in person, just saying, hey, can we can we jump on Skype or FaceTime or whatever for a little bit and just kind of talk? Um, and then, like you said, it does. It, it, it separates you from just another email in the inbox or another text or another tweet or another, you know, private message or whatever. Man, I think that's that was huge. That's huge, man. Uh, good stuff, man. Really, really good stuff. Thank, thank you guys for for dropping this knowledge, man. Uh, I think it will be helpful to a lot of people. There's a lot of a lot of good keys that I picked up on as you guys were talking, um, but a, a lot of it, I think, it comes down to just having a good product and then knowing how to network and not, like you said, not being afraid to follow up and really, really establish those relationships. Um, which you know, it makes sense. Like you, you know, it's it's. A lot of people say it's about who you know, and it's just about establishing that network. You know what I'm saying? You never know, you know, who it is that you're running into. Like I said, with with Dilly being out and you know playing in these playing these different gigs and doing this different stuff, you never know who's there. You know what I'm saying? And they be like, oh, I seen this guy. He he did this. You know, they may know somebody who needs some type of talk box. You know, saying thing for right. for you never know, yeah. and, and they're like, oh, I seen this guy. He he came to our school. You know that type of thing. So right. it, it is. Yeah. It, and I think a lot of times we do forget that, man. We do forget that actually getting out and connecting with people is a huge part because the internet makes it so easy to collaborate right. and connect and reach out. And it's so easy to, oh, I can find the CEO of this company. I can just email him. I can just go on LinkedIn and find him and boom, you know, I'm emailing this person. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of times we forget that because we have so much power through the internet that, you know, there's still so much power in that personal connection. Um, right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's relationships. Yeah. At the end of the day, yeah. this business, any business, it does come down to relationships. Your music can be great. You can be pitching it in all the right ways, right. know all the right people. But until you have those relationships in place with those people, yeah, it's, yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough. You got to make them. Dope, 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 man. Well, yeah, man. I think I think we could wrap it up at this point, man. I think I think it was a good topic. Um, I think you guys dropped a lot of a lot of info, man. I really appreciate you guys just sharing that wisdom and things that you've learned. If you guys got anything going on that you want to, sh- you know, let the people know about before we get out of here, Sean? You got anything going on? Yeah. First of all, shout out to Dilly. He is in the car right now. Welcome to the 21st century. Yeah. I love it. Uh, yeah. So check me out on YouTube. If y'all want to learn about mixing or any of the other stuff we've, we talked about, I've got some stuff on there. Uh, you can find me on SeanDevine.com, all the social media. Happy to, uh, to connect with y'all, see what y'all are working on. That's what's up. That's what's up. What about you, Daily? What you got going on, man? Absolutely. Uh, you know, just coming through, trying to finish up this ebook, uh, an ebook dealing with the producer basics uh we're gonna we're gonna start from ground zero a lot of people want some some education we got to start from the basics so just try to finish up that ebook get that done and get back to work on my album and go from there dope 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 man that's what's up and y'all can always find me at soundsandgear.com i got you know tutorials demos all that type of stuff 
go to Sounds and Gear, go to the channel. You can find all the other stuff I'm doing on Push and Machine and Ableton Live and whatever, man. But um, just follow us, man, and feel free to reach out. You know, all of us are type of people that respond when you reach out so don't be afraid to reach out to us also make sure you come through the facebook group reach out there if you got questions if you got things that you want to see us talk about on the show put it on there and like i said just um support the squad man go to each person's channel check out what they're doing check them out on instagram all the social media and stuff like that and again i'm saint joe soundsandgear.com here with the crew on learn your gear and again if you guys got any questions about what we talked about feel free to hit us up as well and we just thank you all for watching man we'll see y'all later peace all right peace, peace.